Welcome back to the Doodles to Dollars podcast. I'm your host, Ksenia, your ride-or-die design partner and brand and web strategist for visionary solopreneurs. I want to know, do you struggle to talk or write about what you do? When it comes to copy, can you write novels for others, but when it comes to your own stuff, suddenly you need to deep clean the house and take up a new hobby? I've definitely been there. And if you said yes, then this episode is for you. Today, you are in for a special treat. It is not only our first episode, but we also have Erin on the show, and it's her birthday. So yay, this worked out great for all of us. Erin Cafferty is a freelance copywriter for founders and brands on a mission. Her audience-centered approach to copywriting means your website, blogs, emails, and case studies make an impact and connect with the right humans, because with strategic messaging and persuasive copy, you can make your mark on the world. Erin shares her perspective on how DIY copywriting is fine, whether designer copy comes first, and the value of UX copy. Plus, hear her story about stepping into the freelance world right after graduate school with no corporate experience. If any of that piques your interest, stick around as we dive in. And thank you so much for listening to our first episode. I just want to say a big thank you, and let's get into it. So welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you on to get the ball rolling. Let us know who you are, what you do, who you serve, all that good stuff. Yes, thank you so much for having me today. My name is Erin Cafferty. I just recently got married, but I'm not changing my last name just quite yet. <laughs> yeah, very exciting. I am a freelance copywriter. I work typically with small businesses, founders, and agency owners. And really what I do is write strategic copy that really helps to position the people that I work with as the experts in their field and really help them to amplify the impact that they're trying to have. I kind of work with a lot of different variety of people. I know everyone's like niche down, niche down. And I, the furthest I can niche down is into like wellness brands. (laughs) So that can be anything from cannabis related stuff to food that's packed with functional nutrients. So kind of all over the place with clients working with a gardener now, but they all have that of they're the experts in their field and they're just looking to amplify the information and the value that they have and connect with their audience. Yeah, I totally get that. It took me forever to niche down and I only did it like, hmm, solopreneur seems like a pretty wide niche. (laughs) So yeah, that's what I did and I totally relate to that. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I do want to dive into your journey. I know in the intro, I kind of mentioned how you just went straight into the freelancing world after school. So tell us how the journey has been. Yeah, I'd just love to know more. I feel like a pretty core part of my story is how I got into freelancing. So we'll start there and then I'll kind of jump a couple of years. But I originally was applying to corporate jobs. So I went to graduate school right after undergrad. And I actually was offered a job at the internship that I was doing before I went to get my master's. And I remember sitting down in the office of my manager and she was like, you know, we really want you to work here. You do really good work. You seem to love like this space and like who you're working with. And I told her that, yes, I did love it, but I couldn't picture myself doing what I was doing every single day. It just wasn't creative enough. I didn't feel like the nine to five. It was in DC as well. I just didn't know if that was for me. So I basically told her, I'm going to go back to graduate school. And she's like, Erin, this is what people go to graduate school to get this job. Like, what are you doing? And I just told her, I was like, I just feel like there's something more, like something different for me. So 
So I went to graduate school, was expecting to be able to just go immediately after off of that and get this like amazing corporate job. And I was applying to places, applying to places, literally did not get one single interview, which I know so many of you guys can relate to. It's just, it's really hard. And it still was back in 2018 when I graduated. And yeah, from there, I just was like, okay, well, if no one's going to take a chance on me, like I believe in myself. So I'm just going to start freelancing. And I actually didn't know what freelancing was before I started freelancing, I thought it was called consulting, which it kind of is, but I feel like consulting is more like way later down the line. I feel like I think of consultants as like people that have like 30 years of experience. Yeah, like more like corporate. I totally get what you mean because in my mind, consulting is just like, ooh, I'm a consultant. I'm so refined. But then realistically, we can we can consult. That is what we do. <laughs> right. It's just, it's, it's all like about the wording, right? So anyways, I found a public relations consultant. My undergrad degree was in PR. And I ended up just meeting up with her and talking with her about consultancy and freelancing. And she actually mentioned the word freelancing to me. You know, I Googled that shit so fast. I was like, Google, how do you, how do you freelance? What's a freelancer? Freelancing, whatever. And yeah, that's kind of like where I started. I just was looking for jobs. Like I started posting about what I do on LinkedIn, which was literally just like anything communication. And I ended up getting a job through there for like a short contract work, which was awesome because I got into the process of like, okay, like I'm working with this company for like a short amount of time. And then I get to find other clients. And so I was doing a lot of networking, all of those kind of things. I ended up joining a freelancer spark event, which if you don't know about that, I'm not sure if they're in Canada, it's called freelancers union. And then they, they host these networking events. And anyways, there was a whole agenda. And I just completely screwed up that agenda. I went there with like questions and I just, they didn't even touch on like what they were going to talk about. It was just me asking these people questions <laughs> about what nice. was and like how to market yourself. And they were so nice. And what ended up happening is a couple months later, I got my first newsletter copywriting job from someone that for some reason thought that I knew enough about what I was doing <laughs> to hire me, which was great. And yeah, from there, I just kind of got more into newsletter writing. I was doing social media management, which is like, I feel like what a lot of people start out with as writers, because it's kind of hard, in my opinion, it's kind of hard to jump into freelance blogging or like website copy versus jumping into social media. So that's kind of where I went. And then, yeah, just slowly from there, I've just sort of refined things, seeing what I've loved doing, see what people like getting from me, see what I'm really good at. And now I'm freelance copywriter. That's what I'm doing here. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Thank you. When you went to school, were, like, what did you study? Is it in line with what you're doing now or is it completely different? Yeah, I wish that I was one of those people that was like, I went to school for chemistry and now I'm like a freelance. <laughs> but I went to school. Dang it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm so I'm so boring. But I, I went to school for public relations and I did some journalism things with my university. I was like a writer and an editor and an editor in chief of the newspaper. And then I went to graduate school for strategic communication. So all <laughs> communication and media related. Okay, yeah. awesome. When you were at that job and you got that job offer, you mentioned how like you couldn't do this every single day. What did a day back then look like for you? Oh my gosh, you're going to traumatize me. Oh my God, I'm sorry. We don't have to go into it <laughs> no, no, no. if it's really bad. No, no, no. This is just like, every time I talk about it, I just like get so grateful that I'm here now because I, I made the decision. So it was like a long commute. So I, I would wake up at six. I would leave my house by 645. I would catch a bus that drove me an hour and a half into DC. 
I would be there, whatever. And then I have to catch another bus, come back home. I wouldn't get home until around six. I would eat and then I would like literally vlog and then go to bed. And yeah, I did that for two summers, I think. And it was, like I said, it was a, it was a really good time. And I, I loved the people there and I, I had a really good time while I was working there. But it was, I kept describing it as like soul crushing. And like, mm-hmm. that's not what you should be feeling before you like go to a job like you should be excited and it just didn't feel it just didn't feel like this was what I needed to be doing like I pictured myself working there for the next five years and I was like no I don't want this yeah Yeah. it's one of those things where it's like okay I'll do this because I need the internship and the experience but there's no way I'm doing this more than a summertime like limited amount I, I also feel like I need to be very clear that like this job was absolutely amazing and I feel like anybody would be so grateful to have the job but it just wasn't the right job for me mm-hmm. so it's it, that was like also kind of hard because like everyone around me was like what do you mean you said no and I'm like but it just it's just not it's just not working I don't know Hmm. So other than it being soul crushing <laughs> and having to deal with that was there a moment when you were like, okay, yeah, I need to get out of this. Like, there's no way. Or did you just know the whole time? Like, okay, I'll do this just for the summer. That's a good question. I feel like it kind of just came on slowly. I think at one point I did have that realization when they offered me that job. But I, I think I was surprised by how quickly I said no. Because like I said, it's like a great job. And I think they were all, I mean, that's what you do at internships. You get the internships so you can get the job. And then I'm like doing all these things. And then they're like, perfect, you found someone. Let's hire you. And I'm like, just kidding. Peace out. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I... I mentioned that I was blogging on the side and that was just for my own personal blog. I think I might still have some of the blogs on my website, but I took a lot of them off because they're just, they're very like, almost like diary entries. So they don't really relate to what I'm doing now. So I took them off, but I've always really wanted to be paid to be a writer. And what I was doing there was more marketing and sales and events. And so I just felt like, yeah, I just wanted to write. Like that's really all I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And now I get to do that. Every single day, which, you know, sometimes I'm like, wow, I really could use a day off of Friday, but. <laughs> oh, what a problem to have. <laughs> uh, oh, like if someone's paying me to write words, like, whoops. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, I totally get it. Like, especially when you're booked out or when you're super busy, it's like, okay, I do love this thing, but I just need a break. <laughs> no. Yeah, and I feel like something that is interesting about like the specific line of work that we do just as small business owners is that it's so creative that you you can't just continue working. Like there are certain things I think you can do where you can just push through, but at some point, like your creativity will not run out, but it's really hard to express it in like an efficient way. Mm-hmm. And I think that that really helps me to like just take a step back and be like, okay, like we'll come back to this when, yeah. when we're not out. Yeah. Do you find that because you do possibly your dream job? I mean, like for me, I'm kind of like, oh, this is my dream job. That because you're creative in your business and for work, that once you're outside and in your downtime, do you find that you still stay creative? Or is it a lot harder because all of that just gets used up for clients? Mm. I would definitely say I'm in the latter. I wish that I was more creative outside of it. I feel like a lot of times outside of work, I'm just trying to like get my energy back. (laughs) So it's a lot of just like resting. Yeah, that's such an interesting question. I I wish I did more creative stuff. Although I did, I did macrame this little thing up here. It's not pointing in the right direction. 
So I've, I've learned a couple things, but <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely something that I want to improve on. I think a lot of it just goes to clients, which is unfortunate, but it does pay the bills. So it's hard to be like, focus more on the things that don't pay the bills. Then, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. hard that way. Yeah, I totally get that. I'm definitely in the same boat. Like I'm nowhere near spending any creative energy on outside of work. So I totally relate. So now that you've been in your business, how long has it been as just like a freelancer and building out your business? So it's been five and a half years. May 2018 was when I graduated from graduate school and I went directly into freelancing. So technically, I started my LLC in September of 2019, but I was running my business as just like an independent person using TurboTax. Nice. <laughs> you know, the independent, like whatever, like small business thing, which again, is probably different in Canada. No, um, we, we have it. And honestly, I've actually like gone back to that. <laughs> really? So, yeah. Okay. I mean, hey, it works. I use it for it does. Years, so. I just personally now I'm like, listen, I'm an expert at what I do. I'm going to pay an accountant to take all of that away from me. So I don't have to worry about anything. Mm-hmm. And then I know I'm not going to get emails or letters from the IRS. that's like, hey, missed something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. Okay. So within the five-year journey, how has that been? Because I know we kind of talked to like before the business. And then I'm curious, like how, how has the business gone? Like the building it? And just everything that falls under being a small business owner. Yeah, I think it's evolved a lot. I think I've got more, I feel really confident with the services that I'm offering right now. Actually, we're speaking at an interesting time because I've had the same services, I want to say, for probably three years. Like I've just literally offered like website copy blogs, newsletters, but I'm kind of repackaging things I've been having clients come to me that are like hey I want a website and three blogs or I want a strategy call at a website and everything is kind of ad hoc right now so you can kind of pick and choose what you want but I really want to start pulling things together into a more cohesive package so that's something exciting that's upcoming but in terms of the past couple of years it's just been a lot of honing in on what I really want to be doing so I really enjoy website copy that's the crux of my business the blogging is probably what I do more, which is funny because you think the crux is the main part of it, but that's the part I enjoy doing. But the blogs are what keep me afloat because there's a consistent income, consistent mm-hmm. clients. I get to really develop a relationship with my clients, which is something that I love. I try not to have too many one-off services, mostly because it's very overwhelming to continue to market while you're also doing things as like with clients. So I try mm-hmm. to have those repeat things, but I do love websites. They're so fun to do. I think one of my favorite parts about them is the user journey. And I think I talked to you about this. User experience copywriting is a thing. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say I am a UX copywriter. I say I utilize UX principles because I think UX copywriting is a lot more for product-based businesses and I do more services. But I think UX writing has been really cool because I've been able to kind of take someone on a journey through the website, which obviously you know all about your designer. That's like what you do. Mm -hmm. And that's just been really interesting because I've been doing that for the past couple of years, but I didn't know that it was called UX writing. It was just something that I offered and did because I think I had that strategic communication degree and that PR degree and all of that in my brain. It kind of just gets you thinking about user intent and like, okay, they're waiting on this website. Yes, you need everything to be clear. You need everything to be, you know, designed well. But the questions I'm asking is, why is this person here? Why are they on this stage specifically? 
And then what happens if they go to the about page? What does that say about that person and what they're needing from the page that they're specifically on? And so I'll try to design the copy around that. So that's been really fun. It makes such a huge difference too. I mean, I just recently redid my copy for my website and it's been really great. It's nice because I've always followed that flow, especially even in the design because a lot of the times I will have clients that come to me and they don't have copy or they're like, oh, we'll figure it out. So I'm like, okay, let me, give me what you have and I will organize it for you. So it's kind of that UX of like, okay, the homepage does this, the about page leads them to services. I definitely know what you mean when you talk about leading them through a journey. And it's it's so much better because that's really how, at least personally, I feel like that's how we read. That's how we get information. We're not just going to be like, okay, read a page. What now? <laughs> like, Not going anywhere. Okay. That's actually so funny that you say that. So one of these things that we learned in graduate school was, which is so simple, but very clear, is that human beings, they don't do the things that they're supposed to do, even when you tell them to, because there's so many things happening. For example, you're on a website, right? And you want them to go to your services page. You obviously have to have a button that leads them over to your services page. But just having that button is not going to convince them to go over there. You have to make it so that it's the obvious next step. Because like I said, people, even when you tell them what to do, like, hey, go over to the services page now. That's the page you should be going to. They're still not going to do it. There's so many things, other things happening. So you're just really making sure that you're telling people what you need to be doing, being really clear about it, and just trying to reduce uncertainty. That's also a big thing that I learned in school was uncertainty leads to a lack of decision-making. If you're uncertain about the process of working with someone, even if you know that working with them has produced results for other people in the past, if you don't know something specific that matters to you, like the process, they're not going to take that risk. So even if you, you know, share as many testimonials as you want, share the ROI that people are getting from it, if they don't have all the pieces to the puzzle, they're not going to have the yeah. full picture and they're not going to make the decision. So again, just trying to use UX and copywriting in general to reduce uncertainty, which just requires knowing the audience and knowing what they want to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even from a design perspective, like it's always... I mean, I haven't like necessarily studied UX and UI, but I have experience with it. I honestly feel like it's just like a step away. <laughs> like I yeah. naturally do it. It's just there's no like certificate for it. But yeah, with call to actions and with getting people to move somewhere, it, that's always even in design, like that's always the brightest section or the section where if the whole page is white and black, then maybe the call to action's red if that's your accent color. So yeah, we have to make it super obvious. And I feel like a really good example of people not doing what you want them to do is how many times do people actually use the menu on a site, like the navigation, unless you're actually searching for something. You usually scroll through and then there's an about, and I'm like, okay, cool. Let me see what the about is, you know? Yeah. And I rarely use it unless I'm searching for something. Yeah. That's so true. It's so interesting, too, because I feel like a lot of people, maybe not other copywriters or designers, but maybe people that are doing their own website, they treat each individual page as an individual page versus a whole entire, it's almost like a store. Like they're almost treating it like each room in the store is separate. But it's like, no, 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 like your website is your entire store and you need to guide people through the store and then lead them to the checkout counter. Like, this is what Mm -hmm. we're doing here. We're going up, down and around just to get them to where you want to go. Or, you know, 
for example, I have a client that I'm working with right now who I am doing her website copy and a couple blogs for, and she already has a full-time job. She's really looking to be an authority in her space as an educator, and she's also trying to write a book, which is very exciting. So her goal is actually not to get people to buy from her, it's to really clearly explain what she does and get people to read her blog, which is very interesting. So when I was writing a copy for her website, it was interesting to bringing people back to the blog and trying to, because again, we want her, we want people to buy her services, but the goal was not to get people to buy, it was to get people to read. And so just incorporating that in there was an interesting challenge, I guess you could say, because that's not mm-hmm. everyone's goal. Most people's goal is like, hey, I want people to buy from me and yeah. buy my services. So that was pretty interesting. That is pretty interesting. I mean, then I'm like, oh, well, you would fix that with copy. (laughs) Even if the site layout was exactly the same, it would literally just be the copy. Like I mentioned earlier, I just redid my website and redid the copy. And I've always, at least from the design perspective, I've always known that copy is important. I've definitely worked with copywriters before. But going through the process for myself, I'm like, yes, okay. Everyone needs to do copy, even the results before no one would talk about my website. Now, like almost every meeting I have or other people I talk to, oh my God, I read your site. I love it so much. And I think once you get into it, and especially when you get into like, what's my tone? What's the voice? Who am I talking to? Then it can be really, really good. Like not to brag, but I'm really stoked about my website copy because I really got into that. So there's so much value and highly recommend even from a design standpoint, like it makes my life easier, but it just makes your website and everything you have way better than just, hi, I'm so-and-so, I do this. Contact me. I know the amount of people, if I could share just one single website tip, it would be that above the fold section, when you first land on a website, that needs to be high priority. That should be everything that your audience needs to know before they scroll. If your name is in there, take it out right now. doesn't matter what your name is, if it's a part of your business or whatever. It does not need to be in the top of the fold. It could be in the one that leads to your about page. Because I just think a lot of people miss out on that. They're treating it as a doorstep. So they're like, here's who I am. But that's not what people are wanting. People are going, it's again, like thinking about user intent like why are they coming here they're not coming here because they have no idea who you are they already know who you are they're looking to see what you can do for them so you don't need to use that really high value real estate at the top of your website to tell people who you are Mm -hmm. they need to know how you're going to help them yeah absolutely I so agree with that I feel like it's like half of a second or maybe even less is how quickly people decide if they stay or not yeah or 0.8 or something. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I, I've seen that statistic before. It's it's very short. Which is crazy. But then if I think about like how much time I spend on websites, I'm like, yep, that's accurate. Yeah, that above the fold section is so, so important for copy. 100% agree. And design, like you have point, you have less than a second to have people stay on your site. So mm-hmm. yeah, other than just the UX journey, is there anything else that you've come across, whether it's with your own clients or even just out in the world, like, oh, look at this site. (laughs) Wow, they need to fix their copy. (laughs) Because trust me, I have the same with design. I'm like, we need to fix this. Yeah, is there anything that you've come across that you think is really, really important to know, especially for other small business owners or solopreneurs? Maybe about functions versus benefits. I'm sure you've heard a lot of this 
too. When you write about, you know, if you're selling something or you are sharing an event or, you know, whatever you're trying to talk about, when you are doing your messaging, you want to make sure that you're not just talking about the function of what you're getting. So the, the logistics, right? So we'll say if you're selling an event, like a webinar, you don't want to just talk about the date of the webinar, what the topics are going to be about. You also want to talk about the benefits and you'll also hear this described as the transformation, but what are people actually going to get out of it? So today we're talking about website copy. We're talking about UX. We're talking about my journey as a solopreneur, but the benefits of this is that you're going to get inspiration from Aaron. You're going to other benefits that you're going to get from this. You know what I mean? Like you want yeah. to talk about not just the logistics because that's obviously part of the uncertainty. You want to have those. I feel like a lot of people have kind of gone the opposite way. And they've kind of been like, don't talk about the function. Don't talk about the logistics. Only talk about the transformation and the benefit. And I think it's really important to have both. But I mm -hmm. think that benefits part is what a lot of solopreneurs that are DIYing their own copy are forgetting about. And it's harder to write about the benefits because you have to actually know your audience to understand yeah. what's to get out of it so i think just in terms of messaging in general that's something that i would say is really important to know so i hope that's helpful absolutely i mean i think you're right in saying that it does need to be both because i'm sure we've all come across websites where it's either one or the other and if it's just the function side you're like okay cool you're giving me all this technical stuff at least from my perspective like as a designer and if we're going to focus on websites I absolutely mentioned like, hey, yeah, it's like a WordPress site. There's five pages. All the jargon of like what I know when I think of someone's like, oh, I just want a pretty site. And I'm like, okay, it needs to do this, this, and this. And that's, I think, is the function, which is almost a little to-do list for me. But then there's also the benefits. And that's really that emotional piece. Someone can be like, okay, cool. You're going to give me five pages. Five pages of what? Like, what are these pages going to do? But then when you talk about it's your home on the internet, people are going to get to know you. It's your one place where you can really nail your brand and talk to your people. At least one place that you own other than your email list. You, yeah. can, you can do it all on social media, but you still need a website. So yeah, and I think it's really important to have both because I've definitely been on websites where they just talk about the benefit and then I'm left wondering, okay, so like what exactly am I getting? Like am yeah. I just getting your good vibes <laughs> is it just a call like am i what, what is the outcome like what's the tangible thing that i'm getting so yeah i definitely agree it is super important to have both and to balance it because with copy especially on your website correct me if i'm wrong but it's almost like what is that like the hero's journey like you want to take people through like hey you started here and now what if you could have this Ta -da! here's how to get you there <laughs> Yeah, the hero's journey. Yeah, your website really shouldn't be about you. As much as less confusing for a lot of people, it, it really should be about how you help your audience get to the place that they're looking to get, which is wildly different depending on what you do and what their goals are. For example, the people that come to me are experts in their field that are looking to amplify their impact. So they're looking to do more speaking events. They're looking to gain visibility. They're looking to gain authority. And so everything that we do around that is related to what their actual goal is. Mm -hmm. We touched on this a little bit, but what do you think of DIY copywriting? Doing it yourself. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Only because I understand as a small business owner, I, I get it. But 
I think it's fine. You need copy, right? Like if it's the difference between you not having a website and you having a website, DIY it. If it's, you know, the difference between you posting on social media or not, DIY it. But, <laughs> but, 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 unless you are a designer, we're amazing like Ksenia is. <laughs> and we were talking about how you were, you were thinking about your audience while you're creating a website. That's exactly what someone like I would do, what a copywriter does. And some something that you don't typically do when you're DIYing because you're just way too close to what you're doing. You're, it's really hard to pick out the things that are most important because you don't have, it's everything that's important, right? So it's like, of course, this small detail needs to be shared because it's a core part of my journey. But if you hire a copywriter, they'll be able to see the threads that tie your journey together. And that one piece that you thought was really important might not actually be that important and might actually be muddling up your message. So I think long-term, if you actually want to see like ROI, if you're looking to meet your goals, definitely hire a copywriter. But if you, like I said, if you need something up, you just want to have a website, we can always work from what you have. And sometimes there's copywriters that will simply do audits. So it's like a lot less and getting like a complete overhaul, but kind of depends. I, I don't do audits for a very specific reason. I feel like it's it's a lot easier to start from a process that I have, which is getting on the call with the client and literally just like asking them as many detailed, deep questions as I can about what their goals are, what their audience is like, what they have struggled with, what their audience struggles with, and then using that to strategize the copy. Mm -hmm. I've done website audits before, and for me, it's from the design perspective, which is a bit easier, but even still, it's super important to know exactly who the audience is, what the client wants. So I can totally see what you mean, where you don't do copy audits because you don't have that key information. Sure, you can be like, oh, the grammar needs to be fixed here. This is kind of a run-on sentence. You can totally do it from there, which if that's all you're getting from the audit, that kind of seems like a waste of your time. But also something that a small business owner could just go into Google Docs and be like, hey, spelling check, grammar check, or you're like Grammarly. There's so many ways to just check for the grammar, which I feel like what you do and what you mentioned is really that strategy side. It's like, yeah, like you might have impeccable grammar and technically what you wrote is fine, but is it actually talking to the people you wanted to talk to? Yeah. And it like, is it laid out in the right way? Something that I like to say that I do is not just like write copy, but I assemble copy mm -hmm. because a lot of the copy that I write comes directly from my client. They've literally said it. It's the funniest thing because I will take phrases that they say and I'll put it in the copy and they'll highlight it and be like, oh my God, this is so good. And I'm like, you literally said that. Like that's your word or taking it from customer testimonials. That's my favorite thing to do. And I'm so strict. I always create a loom video at the end of my websites now and just give like professional recommendations about like why I did this, whatever, because I understand that sometimes people want to change copy, which is fine. I understand people are going to do that. I personally don't like it because every word is picked for a specific reason, but I will actually specifically highlight, Hey, this is a phrase that it might sound maybe a little clunkier than you're used to, but this actually came directly from multiple clients that left you reviews. And this is the word that they're using. And if they see that word, they're going to want to like continue reading. So I'll mm -hmm. kind of like, I'll kind of like make sure that they're like, Hey, you do end up changing everything. Don't change this word because that's a very core part of the strategy here. And they always appreciate that because I, I feel like a lot of people just don't understand what I do. They're like, Oh, you just kind of write good words and it's like no I've got like my documents like pulled up of like looking at the strategy and looking at the audience and looking at the brand voice and then I'm looking at what I'm currently writing and 
it's, it's a whole thing. It's very meticulous. Yeah, image. I don't know if you've seen this. I can't remember what movie it's from, but there's this meme of this guy who's just like created this board of like, you know, when they're trying to find a missing person or some crime and he's like, yeah, yes, that one. one. That's exactly what goes to mind when you're like, I have it all in front of me. And then I'm like, literally though because like that's what it is you're literally assembling you're like pulling words and then you're like oh should this word go here and then i'm like no 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 this word should go here because of this and xyz and it's like yeah just a lot in there (laughs) yeah with that in mind with like dear wine copy and all that your thoughts on the on ai (laughs) and that coming in I have always been a late adopter. You know that like there's like five stages of like the buying process or something like that. Anyways, I'm a late adopter. I'm the second to the last person to do anything new. So really the only thing I've used AI for has been outlining blogs. So helping with the headers, just trying to organize things because I feel like that is what typically will take the longest for me besides the writing. Chat GPT just does not, it cannot write at all. I mean, it's like the same sentence over and over again. And even when you see like, whatever you feed it, it almost just creates using those words. So it's just a very strange, I just haven't really enjoyed it. (laughs) It could be based on where you are in the adoption of it scale. But if someone was to DIY their copy, is AI a good place to go? Do you have any insight on that? Because like design has been out there and people have been DIYing design. And there's this joke in design communities that like, hey, guys, don't worry. AI won't take your job. Clients don't know how to articulate what they want properly. Because <laughs> that's like our rule. It's like you can say a bunch of words and I'll be like, oh, okay, I think I know what you want. And then create it. So, yeah, I'm curious from your perspective, like if someone who can't currently afford a copywriter went to AI, like thoughts? Hmm. I would say based on how much I've used it and the output that I've got, I would say I would not use it. I truly don't know what it would give you. I would be a little scared to see what mm. it gives you. However, I do know that there are some people that have discovered the perfect prompt and they are able to do that. Like for example, Chelsea, my business partner for Remote ID, she loves chat GPT for that exact reason. It gives her really great content ideas and things like that because she plugs in really good prompts. I think for me, you kind of get what you pay for. Anything mm. that's free is, and, and anything that you, like, if you don't know writing and then you're using a free tool to help you with the thing that you don't know how to do, is it going to help you? Maybe. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. I have such a very cautious view of AI, especially seeing how many businesses went to it over the summer and then seeing how many people are hiring writers to edit the work of ChatGPT, expecting it to be less work, when in reality, it's a lot more work because you're having to rewrite the entire article, but you're getting mm-hmm. paid to edit. So a very complicated relationship with AI. Yeah, that's really interesting to know because obviously in the solopreneur, small business space, and I mean, really any space, it's like AI is the next big thing to fix all your problems. And that's really interesting to know from your perspective and your industry, just like I could have insights from design, that humans are redoing the work. (laughs) So it's double the time, double the money, double everything when you could have just tried to write it yourself or hired someone. And of course, there is always a use case for it. Like you said, like the outline, even from design, there's so many cool things that help with workflow, but that's the thing. It helps with the workflow. It doesn't help with the creative strategy. 
which I totally agree with how you mentioned where it's like, if you don't know how to do your copywriting or if you don't know how to design, how are you going to be a good judge of whatever Chad GPT gives you? Right. So I think that is also a really good point to make. And I mean, at least from my perspective, I definitely came from the like, this isn't right to like, oh, let me use it for workflow. And there's so many amazing things that you can do. And I'm sure it'll improve and improve. I don't know, maybe right now I know like AI is getting kind of crazy. There's really good deep faking and looking like other people. (laughs) But there is something I think to be said when you know something's original and strategic and crafted just for you versus just pulled from the internet and shoved together. Yeah, I think part of my cautiousness to AI is just that like I don't want to lose human element. I just feel Mm -hmm. like that's such a big part of what I do and just writing in general. I mean, writing is literally like peeking into someone's soul, especially if yeah. it's like a novel or whatever you're getting, like an insight and their perspective and like how they think about things and how they approach the world. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like getting on calls with clients and like hanging out with them and asking them questions. And it's not as fun to be like typing prompts into the AI thing and being like, okay, give me a blog. Like hopefully people will read this. So. Yeah. I imagine even more with copy and AI, there's a higher chance of plagiarism because it really is pulling from what's already been written. Yeah, yeah. there's actually been, I'm, I'm working with a publication right now that hires a lot of different writers and they have let go, I don't know, it's probably been like 20 different people in the past month since I got hired a couple months ago because of AI. And they just don't tell you, they, they say if you use AI, you're not allowed to write. And it's so easy to see who's using it. Like it's so easy, so... You just don't, there's no, like, first of all, where it came to mind was flavor. I guess I'll go with that. There's no flavor in AI coffee. It's just no spice. Yeah, no spice. It kind of reminds me of, this is actually the reason I, I went to school originally for journalism and then realized that in journalism, you have to, you have to report on the facts. Hmm. I'm not a facts girly. I'm a subjective, introspective, here's my thoughts girly. So I went into creative writing and like, you know, that kind of stuff, more strategic writing because of that reason. And I feel like with AI, you just get a lot of facts because they don't have mm-hmm. the experience to pull from. You don't have human experiences. You know, like there's sometimes where you're writing something and you're like, oh, that reminds me of something. And you kind of like incorporate it. Like they don't have that. And that's what makes yeah. writing good. And like compelling to read and interesting to read. So yeah. even kind of strategy and like connection, it's just literally infusing personality into the words. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting because in your intro, which you'll hear <laughs> once I edit everything, but I mentioned like, hey, have you been struggling? And you sit down to do it and then suddenly you have to deep clean your house and like start a new hobby and like there's things. Yeah, you're right. There's a human experience. There's a thoughts that we have, the feelings, all the memes, to be honest. Like, I don't know if AI really captures that feeling. Like, sure, you can write about it, but there is that human aspect and you're right it's like human experience where we all have bodies and we live in this world wherever we are that hey i can't feel that it can try but then we can see the the gap right yeah it's almost like imitating the experience versus actually experiencing it and that's kind of Mm -hmm. what i feel like with the writing It's, it's like imitating writing but it's not actually writing that's a really good way of putting it hmm what comes first designer copy 
my favorite question. (laughs) (laughs) I think coffee comes first. I actually have a really good example for this because I just did coffee for a website. I offer two rounds of edits. So you get two drafts and a, a final for any like project that we work on. And before the final draft is delivered, I require either a wireframe by me or by their designer or the words of the second draft to be up on the website on a preview that I can see because I'll typically write a lot more copy than needs to be on the pages. First of all, because there'll leave me feedback on the copy and they'll be like, oh, I love this one. I love this one. And it's like, okay, great. If you like this, we can keep it. If you don't like it, we can move it. So anyways, with this specific website, we got to the wireframe part and I ended up cutting like probably 20% of the copy down after I put it onto the design because I was like, oh, this is like way too much words here or something that I thought was going to be a header needed to be cut up into like, this needed to be a header and then something else needed to be body copy. And the design helps you do that. But you can't have the design first because then you don't know how the copy is going to fit into it. And you don't necessarily want to write the copy to fit into the design if you, if mm-hmm. you can avoid it. I don't think that's like a, a bad way to do it, but it's not the best way. Yeah, because you end up kind of going back and forth. And even just visually, I know the clients that I've had where they either wrote their own copy or even working with the copywriter, once it comes into the design, there is like a collaboration of, okay, cool, you wrote this here's what it looks like on the page. And I'm not doing this, but like, I loved creative writing when I was in high school and university. So like, I'll naturally edit and read things, especially when it's not professionally written. So breaking up the text, making sure they're not just reading this huge chunk on the site. And like, how does that even look like on your phone? So I agree. I think it is really important for copy. I think it's less of a, at least from my perspective, it's less of a, okay, copy is done. Okay, now go build the design. It's like copy started and then design will come into it with the drafts and then you can see the final result together. Yes. Yeah. And I will say just in case other copywriters are listening to this, that that is not how I started. I didn't realize how important collaboration was until I worked with a couple of designers who I was giving my copy to because, of course, I'm a writer. I think every word that I wrote is perfect and amazing and deserves to be on the website. But as a logical person, (laughs) I understand that's not true. So being able to work with the designer is really nice because I'm also one of those people that like, I trust the experts. We just talked about this at the beginning with the accountant. Like I am not a math person. I will not be doing my taxes. Absolutely not. (laughs) Like that's, that's for someone else. So when it comes to working with designers, I'm very much like, this is my opinion on where the copy should be, but like you are the designer. Like you need to tell me like, hey, this section is too long. We need another section here. I need some copy for this. This copy is too long. And I really appreciate that because I learn a lot in the process as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To touch on the accounting thing, <laughs> it's been a journey for me and I, I don't know what it is in the States, but I'm incorporated in Canada. So I have to have an accountant to deal with all of that, which I'm happy to talk about that whole journey on another episode, but yeah, TurboTax can be useful. You just have to know what you're doing and I'm only using it for personal. So everyone, just a note, hire accountants. They really, really help, especially good ones. Thank you so much. This has been an awesome episode. To wrap up, I'm really curious if you go back in time to any part of your journey, whether that's when you're still in school, at the internship, or even as you've grown your business. 
where would you go and what advice would you give yourself oh my god okay 2019 early 2019 oh my gosh hi kitty yeah I would say early 2019 and I would just say show up stop being so scared which I know is like really harsh advice right I'm giving it to myself it's fine um (laughs) (laughs) sometimes we need it no I think I just I, I was actually talking about it on my Instagram stories earlier today, but I just am so proud of how far I've come. I still get nervous on podcasts. I mean, we had a chat about this right before we started. I've literally been in business for five and a half years. I'm almost 30 years old. You think when you're younger that when you get older, you just automatically are confident and like feel these certain ways. And I just want to tell 2019 Aaron that like it just it comes from within and you just have to be confident because other people believe in you so much other people should not believe in yourself more than you believe in you and I think I'm very grateful for the people that supported me during the time where I wasn't as confident and I just I'm sure in five years I'll look back at 2023 Aaron and be like I wish she was more confident (laughs) (laughs) you know I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good now for where I am but yeah I would definitely tell her that you know it's okay you can show up and people will accept you. It's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, to- I totally relate to that 100%. So to end it off, where can people find you? Is there anything that you're currently offering? Yeah, just let people know the deeds. Give us yeah. your pitch. I'll try not to do too much because I, ha- I kind of have a lot going on. <laughs> so <laughs> it's okay. My website, since we talked all about website copy today, you can just go to erincafferty.com and all my services are listed on there. I do websites, blogs, newsletters, and case studies. I also have a community that Defenia's in, and it's a directory. It's called Remote ID. It's for freelancers, digital nomads, remote workers that want to connect with other people from around the world. We have people in Indonesia, Australia, Canada, the U.S. Mexico, I think someone's in Greece right now. I have no idea. They, they're everywhere. So that's that's really fun. And then the last thing I want to mention is that I'm, I'm running a little offer on messaging strategy for $125. I normally charge $250. And that's available to the first five people that message me. Yay. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. You are the first guest. <laughs> so I'm very excited. Yeah, we did it. Really fun. Awesome. Yeah, I'm happy it was. Thank you for joining us for our very first episode. I'm very excited for this podcast and I'd love to hear any feedback, what you thought about it. Please let me know as I want to make this a very useful resource for you. We have some amazing interviews coming up as well as some solo episodes. So keep an eye out for those. Subscribe if you want to be notified when those come out and have them automatically go into your podcast player of choice. If you prefer to watch the video interview or read the transcript, head over to ksenia.co slash podcast. That's K-S-E-N-I-A-A dot co slash podcast. All the links mentioned will be in the show notes and also on the podcast page on my site. So definitely check that out if you'd like to work with Erin or see what she's doing out there in the world. And lastly, if you'd like to be a guest on the show or have a topic you'd like me to cover, please reach out to me at podcast And that concludes our very first episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Again, please give me feedback. I want to make this really awesome for you. And I hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening.